0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano,
1: Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump. So for the first 51 minutes of this episode, Adam, Justin, and myself have fun. We catch up. We have some good conversation. We talk about current events. After that, we get into the fitness portion of this episode. But here's what we talked about In that first half and the second half. So for the first half, we start out by talking about KISS. (laughs) Not the physical action, but the rock band that Justin talked massive shit about. Bring it, KISS fans. You suck. Let's see what the backlash looks like. (laughs) Adam shared some good news. Uh, It's been two years now. Uh, Project Adam trying to get his testosterone levels up into the normal range after he went off synthetic testosterone. Find out. If it had been working, he did an Everly Well testosterone uh, test and the results uh, were interesting to say the least. Uh, By the way, you get 15% off any Everly Well test if you go to everlywell.com and use the code Mind Pump. The testosterone test is only $59. Then we talked about the movie The Great Gatsby. Had a good time watching that this weekend. And then I came up with some interesting ideas. Uh, I titled it The Paradox of Being Around a Lot of People. Mm. Um, and how we feel more lonely than ever. Um, Adam brought up uh, a news article. Amazon apparently bought Delivery Co. Looks like the wars on who's going to bring you your food is getting heated up. Then I talk about the CBD market. CBD is the cannabinoid known as cannabidiol. It's found in marijuana, but also found in hemp. Apparently, that market is exploding, expected to hit $20 billion uh, in the next uh, like five years or so, Good now Lord. our favorite source of legal hemp-derived full-spectrum cannabinoid uh, oil, also containing CBD, is Ned. Ned uh, tests their products; they're clean, they are effective, and they do give you an efficacious dose. Um, and we got a discount for you. So if you go to Hello Ned, H E L L O N E D dot com forward slash Mind Pump, you will get fifteen percent off your first purchase. Then we brought up the news about Tony Robbins. He's the motivational speaker, uh, probably the most well-known motivational speaker in the world. There's some controversy surrounding him right now, so we had a good discussion mm, around that. some heat. And then we talked about Huawei, the Chinese tech company uh, and is what's it the right
0: way or the Huawei?
1: Dang. <laughs> that, bad joke. that was a good one. Uh, it looks like there's the, the economic war between China and the U S is heating up and Huawei is the most recent target. And then we get into the fitness portion of this episode. Here's the first question. When the gym is packed, what do you recommend that I do? So this person can't do their normal exercises. Should they go home or should they improvise? What is our advice? The next question Uh, After two weeks of not working out, do I jump right back into my workout or do I change what I do in the short term? We talk about some strategies and we also apply them to our most popular program, MAPS Anabolic. The next question, uh, is it better to do a slow, gradual cut? In other words, drop your calories slowly over time. Or is it more effective to do the drastic cut for a short period of time? Believe it or not, both of them can be advantageous or beneficial. It just depends on who you are and what your goals are. No cuts, no butts, no coconuts. And the final question. uh, We go in depth on what body dysmorphia is, in our opinion, um, in the context of fitness, and how it can sabotage your health and fitness goals. And we give you advice. All three of us have suffered from body dysmorphia in one way or another. And we've, of course, trained lots of clients. So I think we give good advice in that part of the episode. Also, uh, we're coming up towards the end of this promotion. You better act now. MAPS HIT, 50% off. Now, MAPS HIT is our short-term, high-calorie-burning, intense workout. HIT stands for high-intensity interval training. Uh, These are done with barbell complexes, dumbbell complexes, and we program them properly so you work your whole body and you get good mobility at the same time. This program, extremely popular for short-term fat loss. In other words, if you want to lose a lot of fat in a short period of time, very popular program. Again, it's half off. All you got to do is go to mapshit.com, dot tcom and use the code HIT50, t five zero for the discount. Make sure you do it soon.
2: T-shirt time! And it's... T-shirt time. Ah, shit, Doug. You know it's my favorite time of the week. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We have a few winners here. We have iTunes winners, four of them. ARVC, Can't Stop Me. Happy app user, Matt Daddy. Matt Damon. Tim May, 1994. And for Facebook, we have Chris Rudd, Carly Dietzman, Frank A. Hart. All of you are winners. Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, and include your Instagram handle, and we'll get that shirt right out to you.
0: Hold on on to the night. Hold
3: on
1: to
0: your memories. Memories.
1: (laughs) Ooh, Ooh. together. Are you you guys awake? Hey, Doug, we're really good. All the listens. Yeah, Doug, can you edit? We should harmonize more. Adam's voice out of that part. Make it. (laughs) (laughs) No way. Can we do something for reals? How much does a auto-tune cost? Oh, my God. No, I need a idea. synthesizer. I, no, no, no. I'm, I, I am dead serious. Yeah. I think it would be a very smart investment if we get <laughs> an auto-tune. I feel like
0: there's a T-Pain app out dude, there that does it already. Tell
1: me how funny, it wouldn't be hilarious to have Adam sing, but do through auto-tune. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: yeah.
3: It would be so <laughs>
0: good. Whoa, whoa. It would be so
3: good, dude. I like the little part that uh, Eli did with Taylor when he's lip singing, and then it and then it cuts to the, the, like, the, yeah. the actual song. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, then the, and then the mic screwed all up. That no, was, I was, love that. That was pretty
0: good. No, right. but
1: who, who was that Richard Marks that sang that? I think Hold so. On. I don't
0: yeah, like that's just a guess.
1: That was uh, do you remember Don't act like uh, it was one of your you, favorite songs. <laughs> I,
0: I don't want to admit that I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we used to call him Dick Marks because that's his
3: name.
1: Oh, because it's yeah. it's short for Richard. Yeah. Yeah. That's he, not that
3: smart I saw that. I saw the people that didn't Genius. get your uh, original joke on the when you referenced um Kiss on your IG. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the people that were like- They're pissed that yeah. I, like, I'm a fan of KISS.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't fucking like KISS. They're yeah. terrible. <laughs> Wait <laughs> a, a minute. That's a terrible, terrible band. You don't like KISS? Terrible. Why? What? I
1: want rock and roll and fucking repeat it a million times. Hey, 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 hey. hey, hey, hey. Hold on, that's se- all I got. Hold on a second, yeah, bro. yeah. Fucking KISS? You know, they were the
0: first-
1: They were one of the first bands to figure out how to fucking really make money through- Merchandising and marketing. They were one of the first. Yeah, that, that surprised me at all. They were that's, brilliant.
3: That's why I think everybody doesn't like them. I everybody,
1: think so here's the thing with Kiss it's like new kids on the block. Okay, mm. just wait. It's just like Alice everybody. Cooper for me too. Everybody loved there. them. Kiss was the shit. Everybody liked them at first. Mm. They had the best concerts, fucking fireworks and costumes. Yeah, and it was all about the pageantry. Shit. Right. And then because they just oversaturated everybody, then it became cool to not like them. Mm. And then it became cool to like them again. Just like New Kids on the Block. Remember New Kids on the Block? Everybody loved them. And then it was like, if you liked them, you were a nerd. Yeah. And then now they fucking sell out stadiums because we're all older. I loved it because they were like the
0: ones that were making fun of disco at the time. And then they put out a disco album.
1: What? Brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, how dare you? Gene Simmons is fucking... I think he's a maniac. Uh, I think he's.
3: Uh, Aren't they? Weren't they all uh, really smart guys too? Uh, they're business. really Business smart. That's what I mean.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, bro. They have a fucking huge audience. I'm surprised they you weren't. Don't... They,
3: they were one of those bands that were like. I don't, all, all, I don't think they was Harvard, but all of them were all like. Uh, yeah. All went to a prestigious. I not uh, College, didn't they? I don't know.
1: Look uh, that look, up, Doug. I think they. I think. I don't so. consider Kiss like. I might be making one of the up. best rock bands of all time for sure. No. But I do appreciate.
0: I mean I, I I like again, I, I recognize their concerts, like what they provided people. That was everything, right? They had the pyrotechnics, they had the crazy spacesuits, they and had the fucking, kiss army, dude. Yeah, they had all the, 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 the schlocky shit, you know, yeah. that they're gonna throw out there to like sell their music that's dog shit. Oh my
1: god! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's well, hold, like on a a, hold on a second. Hold on. Dressing up a so let me ask you. Ass pig. Let me ask you this. So you don't what? like their music because their songs are typically like three or four chords and it repeats over uh, and over again. It's not that super creative. It's not creative. It's okay. just it's just like cured like lame. Do you like the Ramones? I love the Ramones. Okay, so the Ramones are fucking worse with that. Yeah. the Ramones are like two chords. No, you're right. It's like na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, the whole song. Yeah, and there's like three lyrics and then yeah. you're done. I mean
0: that's 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 a valid point. I I still like the Ramones. So why do they get a pass but not Kiss? Yeah. Uh, because it, for me it's just like it's it's it, I guess it's less off, less authentic. Like I feel like the Ramones came out they're like, "Yeah, we fucking suck," you know. <laughs> and and they, you know, it's like punk rock that they suck, you know. Yeah. And then they just like went with it and then it became like anthems versus Kiss is like all about the show, and we're so awesome. We're so awesome. We're so awesome. No, your music sucks. Oh, <laughs> admit man. it.
1: Admit that your music sucks, boy. You're gonna. you're I'm sure you get some. fucking I hope blowback so. I, hope <laughs> I don't so. I don't think so. He I got, think he's gonna get some. He, blowback. Got, he
3: got more blowback on his Instagram for referencing "Mind Pump" like Kiss. But what the audience didn't understand was Justin was making fun of us. Yes, by referencing Kiss, and oh. then people thought. Oh. Exactly. People thought he was bragging. Like, you know what oh, it is. Yeah. Justin
1: has a lot of hardcore. He does. That's he was metal getting, and he was yeah, getting following. He was getting totally. other. Yeah, that's. Exactly
3: exactly what he was getting he was getting jabs from other musicians yeah cuz like, i love uh, yeah i love metal and i can
0: go down the the rabbit hole of like the craziest weirdest genre but like yeah kiss for me is just like that's the death of all
1: metal so then it's you don't terrible. lie. so then what do you think of like uh what's that i can't remember what was that documentary we we just watched Queen? on netflix no 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 queen's amazing queen's amazing yeah what was that documentary that was just on netflix we were talking about it nikki 6 the the oh, oh motley yeah, yeah, crew yeah, motley you crew. like motley crew
0: yeah well i mean they're just they're just fun I don't know. I feel like they are they are in it for like the the partying and the chicks, you know. And yeah. they are like very honest about that, and that's that's fine. Well, do dude, kiss. Dude. I Gene Simmons. I just—I I just don't like it, bro. Sometimes you just don't like something. Yeah, there you, you know, like maybe it's me. All right, yeah. maybe took,
1: it's me. I don't know. They,
3: I'm, they took the I makeup thing to a whole other level, too. The makeup,
1: yeah. yeah the makeup that thing they took to a thing, whole other level. They, that whole there was a whole period. A little much, you know. And rock has has been like this for a long time. Or there's the theatrical aspect of it. The fucking. You know, I'm out there. And for a second there, it was cool to put on, to dress up, yeah. you know, something weird and different. And I mean, Is Alice it, Cooper, like, was his I, fucking yeah, Alice shit.
0: Cooper was there. I mean, then Marilyn Manson came after that. Yeah. Like, see, I, see, I liked Alice Cooper a little bit more, but his music wasn't the greatest either. When you go back and listen to it, it's no. just like, ugh. You know, that whole creepy song about like being like, like being fascinated with 17-year-old girls. And oh, stuff. well, what yeah, dude, like,
1: rock and roll's weird like that. They had a lot of those songs a back lot, then. A lot, dude, I'm weird. Like, 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 hey, now. Wouldn't be able to make it today. It <laughs> yeah. would not make it today. It's called statutory. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what else? Who wouldn't make it? We just talked about the Ramones. No way in hell the Ramones would have gotten far during the video era. There's no way. Yeah. They're just... They don't look like especially with 4K now. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, it, it wouldn't have worked. But I'm a big fan of uh, of, of the Ramones. I like, I appreciate yeah, I like Kiss. the Ramones a lot. I appreciate Kiss for for you know what they did. I wouldn't say that they're like one of the best rock bands, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam, I want to ask you about your well, you let the had, hate mail uh, come my way. Yeah, Kiss Army <laughs> attack. Uh, Adam, you We're had, all did. You had commented on a recent podcast, and I purposely did not ask too much details because. I wanted to save it for this episode. What's up about your uh, testosterone levels? Oh, nice you, transition you just, to my nuts. Oh. You just
3: did another hey. what? <laughs> Is this a nice transition <laughs> to my nuts. What? That's weird. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> your pituitary that's makes zzz. it too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But anyway, what what uh, uh, what's the deal? Only a nerd would you like correct me like that with that comment? Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway. Uh, what, what's the deal with it? You, you mentioned in la- one of our last podcasts that your testosterone now is in the normal. It used to be in the low average. Now it's in the middle.
3: Yeah, it was, in the, it was the, at the very, very bottom. I think it was like one point on the Everly Wells sc- scoring uh, scale. It was like one point on from being low, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in, in the normal range. Now I'm about almost halfway through there. So it's definitely increased. And I've been getting it. I posted it on my Instagram uh, stories uh, right after I took the Everly Well test. And I got a ton of people asking me, you know, what am I doing differently? And I'm really not doing anything that much different than what I've been doing for the last year and a half, almost two years now. And I think it's just taking time. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, you're
1: doing everything right, but then the the, the big factor is time. And people, people, this is a good lesson for people to understand because I think – People will apply and do everything right, and they'll say, "Okay, I'm doing everything right, but I'm not getting all the results I want right now." And it's like, "Okay, you're forgetting about the the most important factor, which is time and patience."
3: Right, and that's talk about testing that because it's been. I was, I think, I was expressing to you guys off air that if this this latest well test came back and I was the same or lower, I was going to get back on my mm-hmm. uh, hormone replacement therapy because it was just like man it'd been well over a year i mean i'm going october will be 2 years for me so what are we in right now so that's a few months away from mm-hmm. so over a year and a half almost 2 years uh that i've been chipping away at this and and really the last 3 everlywell tests have been like exact same number consistent consistent mm-hmm. With, and those were like you know 3 months 6 months in between each one and I hadn't seen any real progress and it's it's been everything, everything from the July to the you know sauna to training for more towards health than than performance or look, you know uh, good diet. Diet's been balanced. Mm-hmm. like I'm not running like a keto diet or anything like that. I've got a nice good balance of carbs, protein, and fat. Um, you know, I've even in, introduced a, a little bit of like cardiovascular training, like training my with my swimming and my rowing um, you know, really trying to improve my sleep. So it's been a, it's just been a, a, a bunch of things that I've been doing for a really long time. And
1: overall, you're just, all that stuff is just to make you healthier. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's and, it. And
3: and so now it's, it's, the, and so at least now it's got me actually, uh, more excited to kind of keep going. Cause I was, I like, I literally have all of my testosterone set. Like I have a kit waiting at home. That's, Got all my uh, my stack ready to go to get back on and do all that, and I was literally like this close to uh, getting started again, mm-hmm. and then got that back and saw that I had finally made an increase. So now I'm like kind of motivated
1: again to see. Yeah, like, that's good. Well, don't. Here's the thing: like uh, <clears throat> two, a couple things that people need to understand, mm-hmm. and, and I know you considered this, which is why you were so patient. But this is the important thing to understand: is that Adam was on synthetic testosterone uh either high con- relatively high doses for competing or uh, replacement doses uh for in between and non-stop for like what five six years yeah so five or six years for five or six years your body wasn't really producing a lot or any of its own testosterone and so of course when you go off and you do all the right things, it's still going to take time for your body to really get that signal. And initially it did. Initially it did get the signal, which is why your testosterone went from zero to low normal. Um. Like initially that's the initial signal. But then staying there long enough and still lifting weights, still eating right, still getting good sleep, still sending the other signals to the body and the fact that the body's not getting the synthetic testosterone signal, the body eventually... Reaches uh, a a healthier healthier level. Now I surmise. Here's my thing. Uh, my my bet. My bet is if this is going to keep happening, I think within the next year or two, if you stay off, your testosterone levels will go up to the uh, upper average range. That's just my opinion. I think it'll continue. If you keep doing what you're doing, it'll continue to move up. Just because you're a healthy person, you mm-hmm. eat good, you you exercise regularly, you you're focusing on your sleep. Um, and for men, a, a, a healthy ma- male um, a, in your age group, testosterone levels will be uh, will be fine. They don't really start to get hammered down low for a real long time. I had clients in their 60s and 70s who were very fit and very healthy for years. I had one guy I trained who he trained he trained with me for four years, but before that, the guy worked out for the previous 30 years consistently, Like, and he was really, really healthy. He'd go get his testosterone levels checked, and he was like, and these are the, the ranges that, the, that you'll get from the doctor with a blood test. The guy's testosterone was in the 700s, which is high for a 20-year-old a, a male. Yeah. Mm. And, so, and that's the male body. We don't go through menopause like, like mm. women do. So I surmise that, and I, the way you did it is ideal. The, the, this is my recommendation to people is that it, uh, test if you want to see what's affecting your, and testosterone for men is a nice gauge of overall health. It's not perfect, okay. So it's not the only gauge, but it's a nice general gauge. If your testosterone levels are going down, then you can pretty safely assume that something's not right, something's right. off. If your testosterone levels start to go up, you can pretty safely assume that things are on the right track.
0: Yeah, I just actually sent mine off uh, yesterday, so it'll be interesting to see because what I had mentioned before about like sleep patterns and stuff, if if. Uh, my quality of sleep has increased. So I'm hoping that, you know, even, uh, you know, through that process, like I've been able to increase the levels a bit and then, you know, keep check on that and like, it, see what I'm doing and make sure I'm I'm getting progress.
1: That's the thing right there. So the just testosterone test on Ever- Everly Well is 59 bucks. So it's super cheap. It's, it's like less, it's, it's as much as like two year pre-workout uh, supplements that are worthless. <laughs> so, you, you, my 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 advice, and this is what you did, Adam, is to test your testosterone g- roughly every quarter. Yeah, I already have my next one lined up. So exactly, I already,
3: it's mm-hmm. already it's in my bed or bathroom right now. That's just waiting for so me. So that's
1: four tests a year. You have it set up. Yeah, and and in between, because that gives you enough time, right? That's three months well, where you can make tweaks and then see how your body responds. You figure four tests at you know at fifty bucks, a few hundred bucks, and and it's all in your hands. You don't have to go to the doctor. You send it in, and, and uh, well, and, and I'm excited.
3: I'm excited to see what what'll what'll happen now. Now that I finally have seen some sort of uh, po- real positive response from all the work that I've been doing for the last week. But man, I tell you what, I, so now much- is
1: that a deterrent? Knowing how long it took you to get back to normal, does that is that a deterrent to getting back on? like fuck if i go back on and if i ever want to go off again.
3: Yeah, i know definitely. Uh that's a deterrent. Um and it's also deterrent just knowing that oh it's I, it's possible that i can keep going. Yeah. You know, there there for a long time there that i, I was starting to lose hope, you know, uh, and the, which is where i i totally understand somebody um going through this because mm-hmm. I, I like to think that I have pretty good mental discipline when it comes to something like this. And the
1: two years is a long wait.
3: It is a fucking long time, dude. It's a very long time. And it's a long time when you're you're doing a lot of things to work towards it. Like uh and I
1: i, I I'm gonna, most people wouldn't have lasted that long. Yeah, I'm gonna be I, honest with you. If it wasn't you, I don't know, I don't know. It's and
3: the hardest part, and I think I've shared this with you off air, is the the motivation that's what's killing me more than anything else is I know what it's like to have high levels uh, of testosterone, and then also to be in a good, really normal high range, and the the motivation to train that comes with that is completely different than the way I feel now. It's like every time I go to the gym, it's not every time. Most of the time now that I go to the gym, it's like this. It's this. I have to have this self talk: like you got to get in there, you got to do these things, mm-hmm. you need to do this for you. You know, you it's important. It's important. You know, versus, I mean, I was the guy who uh, f- forever, if, um, you know, I used to fall asleep thinking about my workout the next it's day. It's just not as fun. Yeah, it's exactly. It's not. It's not as fun. It doesn't feel as. It doesn't feel. I don't get the crazy pumps from it. I don't get the the response. I mean, when I'm dialed nutritionally, training, and my testosterone levels are high, it's like, you know, day after day, I'm I'm seeing little subtle changes. I'm mean, making improvements where. You know, this is like, I could go weeks of consistency with the diet and training and everything and see very minimal physical change, mm-hmm. which that's, it can be demoralizing for sure. But, yeah. it's uh, like
1: when Superman, uh, when, when you remember when that was it part two where he got his powers taken away, <laughs> <laughs> did you remember that? I
0: don't know. I wasn't a big Superman oh, guy. Oh, you weren't a big Superman? No. It was Reeves. Oh yeah. The old Reeves. one.
1: Christopher Reeves. Yeah. Where he goes in the chamber and they take away his powers and then he goes <laughs> to the bar and some he's standing up for for against some big dude. Yes, but he, he, he's like and he gets his ass kicked. <laughs> Fuck, I'm not superman. <laughs> oh man, it's not working. Yeah. Yeah, Speaking yeah. of movies, you know what movie I watched for the first time last night? What? Uh, the Great Gatsby.
3: Oh, good movie. Oh, Leonardo with DiCaprio. Leonardo? Yeah, they did a good Did you job read that,
1: that, that book in high school? Never read it. Oh, you didn't read that I high had school. no idea. Oh, yeah, we the had the story. to read that. Yeah, now. that was mandatory. Was that... Did the, the movie depict... The, did it cover the book well? Yeah, they, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought they did a really good job in that movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought they did a really good there job. There was one quote in the movie that... Uh, and I love it when this happens. Sometimes I'll watch TV or a movie or I'll read something and then it sparks a thought process. I actually paused the movie and thought uh, and sat there thinking for like 15 minutes. One of the characters in there said, um, I love... Uh, I love big parties because they're so intimate. And there, this was a huge party. Gatsby had thrown a huge party, so there's literally hundreds of people at his house. And she's like, I love big parties because they're so intimate. There's no privacy at small parties. And f- at first, I'm like, well, that sounds silly. Like, what do you mean intimate in a big party? And then I thought about it. I'm like, no, it's actually true. When you're at a, at, a, at a small party, you can't get away and be you know, intimate with one person or two people because there's, there's only 10 people there, so everybody's just kind of around each other yeah, yeah. where there's a big party you can kind of break off and do your own thing so that got me thinking about uh, a lot about the paradox of being around a lot of people and so later that day jessica and i went to uh, the mall and we were walking around in the mall because it was raining and, which is weird the weather right now is really weird but anyway it was raining and the mall was packed and i'm looking at all these people after having thought about what i that quote on the great gatsby and i'm realizing that people are so lonely yet we're around so many different people like you're you're around all these different people you're tons of people to talk to and connect with but you're by yourself yeah. because there's so many people that it actually makes it easier to be alone do you and- feel do you feel like uh
3: social media
1: is exaggerating that I feel like the the world has become so big or no I should say the 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 world has felt now so small in the sense that we're connected to so many people but the paradox of that is it makes it easier to be lonely and alone for example if we didn't have telephones if we didn't have internet you would for sure be connected to your neighbors and your neighborhood and know what's going on you talk to people but because we're so connected to so many people and there's so much stuff that's out there we feel lonely in our busy ass cities. You know, I'm surrounded by all these people, but I feel all by, I go to the mall and I'm by myself at the mall around all these different people. It was an interesting uh, thought, and so that's it, it, part of I think the reason why we're seeing uh, loneliness being one of the number one problems in, in modern societies, and it's very rarely a problem in societies that are less populated and less advanced.
4: Hmm.
3: Have you seen those little I, you just reminded me of something I read the other day of these little communities that they're building? Seattle has one. This is uh, and I forget the name of them. I'm sure somebody will, on our forum will tell me. But they're like uh 1000 square foot houses and they build them in these little molecule it, homes, kind of like, like that, but kinda. that's that's not the name of these communities, it's something else. And, um, you know, they, they build them in these beautiful areas. They like, they pick like right at the the edge of this forest. And it, I think it's only like a total of, I want to say 15 houses, 15, 1000 square houses. Mm-hmm. And then it has a, and it, they're, they're designed to where they're, I mean, the the each it's house like a shoe box, right? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. It's like a total shoe box right in the center is this like courtyard area. That's a common area. Mm. And then they have like another sitting common area. But it's really designed to to build this this community. And there's like a little vegetable garden everybody works on. It's and you, conducive
1: boom. to connecting with people. Yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. my
3: point. Is that's the that's kind of the idea behind it is less stuff, less big house with lots of small, small, you, minimalist type of right. lifestyle. I'm,
1: I'm telling you, we are gonna there's reach something to it. I'm telling you, we're gonna reach a point where we're gonna get everything we think we want, and then we're gonna realize mm-hmm. fuck, this is not what I actually wanted. My dad used to tell me that when I was a kid. My dad would tell stories about how he grew up, and half the time I used to think he was full of shit because my dad would say, because my dad was poor. I mean, he was dirt poor. Like, like nine years old, my dad left school and had to work because otherwise they didn't have enough money for shit. You know, my dad would uh, he slept in in a bed shared with all his siblings, and they'd sleep head to foot. Like, my dad used to get angry because his brother would kick his face, and he'd tell <laughs> me stories. Oh, man. I mean, he'd tell me all these stories, and you know, he'd tell me stories about how, like, there was this one family who got a TV, and all the kids would, like, huddle around outside to try and peek through the window to see if they could watch the guy's TV, and then the, every once in a while the guy would close the drapes to be an asshole, and the kids would get... So he'd tell me all these stories, and I'd be like, fuck, that sucks. But then he would tell me, like... He'd say, you know, we go here in America, we have all these big houses. He goes, you have your own room. Your sisters have their own room. Your brother has their own room. We have a big kitchen. And he goes, and that means we're all alone. And I'd be like, what do you mean? He goes, when I was a kid, he goes, my house was two rooms <laughs> and, he, he, and we didn't have a lot of shit. And so we were always together, always hanging out together, always connected. Mm. He goes, it was much better back then. And when I was a kid, he said, that's not better. Like you guys were poor. You didn't have, You had your bathroom was outside, you know, right. you guys didn't you're have a phone. Personal space. Yeah, your, my grandparents didn't get a phone until my dad was like in his 30s, you know, they, <laughs> he used to have to schedule phone calls to talk to his parents, his parents used to have to go to a neighbor's house and you know, at <laughs> one o'clock so they can get on the phone. And, but I could see where where there's truth in what yeah. he says and I, I swear to God, man, I think we're heading towards a direction where we're going start to start to do shit like what you're talking about, Adam, where they're designing like... I mean, twenty years ago, that nobody would—that would be silly. They'd be like, "What are you building? One thousand square foot or five hundred square foot homes?" Yeah, who's gonna want this? Yeah, everybody wants a five thousand square foot home, but I think people are starting to realize what's what's like. Oh, I got enough, and what's really important is connecting. You know, That's an people. interesting thought,
0: yeah, because it's definitely the the physicalness of, like, hanging out with people in person is so much different experience. Dude. And, and they they keep trying to replicate that virtually, and it's like, it's not, I just don't know if they
1: could ever do it. No, you, you, there's, a, there's a difference, and there's subtleties in communication and contact with a person in person that we have yet to be able to put into words. You know, I, I, how many times have you heard someone say... Uh, oh that guy's got great energy, or that girl's got great energy, or I feel the tension in the room. Mm-hmm. You know the best explanation we have for that in science, uh, of course, you have the esoteric people who talk about you know the mystical Auras energies and, and shit like yeah. that, which whatever that's it's fine. science, the best explanation they have is that your your brain is getting so many millions of bits of information. Every second, you are only made aware of a tiny, tiny fraction. Mm. But that doesn't mean your brain isn't processing all that information. Mm -hmm. And so it's picking up so many subtle pieces of and bits of information and cues and then it's creating a feeling for you like tension mm-hmm. and so you're not aware of why you feel tense in this room but your brain is processing all the subtle movements and inflections and voice and smells and all these different things that, and so your brain's like hey we should feel tense right now or hey energy's good you know when you meet somebody you're like i just like that guy well why i don't know i just think i like him and yeah. so I, I, I trying to to figure that out Um, I don't, I mean, we can't, we don't know what to look for is my point. So until we know what to look for, I don't think we're going to be able to figure that out. I mean,
0: I've heard that, you know, some of these programs that they've started to launch for VR, like one of them was like basically where it has you stand, uh, like on something and it's like you're, it emulates you like you're on a ledge and you start to really feel this panic and fear that you're going to fall. And it's like, they said that it's like one of the first times you actually really feel like this exhilarating, like primal Mm. feeling of fear. Uh, that you're gonna fall, like it's the first time they've been able to replicate that. So it's interesting what the to fuck? me.
3: Why would you want to do that for?
1: <sighs> I don't know, but they they, they they want they want that experience in a virtual form. That's well, so funny. Probably yeah. because we want to experience shit w- without what we perceive The consequences, to be like, yeah, right? Well, yes. Yeah, there you, you go. Exactly. That's cra- that's crazy. Well, here's you know what that's that brings me to another uh, uh, thought that I had was the that we we think we know all the consequences or uh, you know effects of an action, but we don't really know all of the uh, consequences and actions. And so I'll give you guys a good example. Let's say uh, people could do any crime that they wanted to and be guaranteed that they would never, ever, ever get caught. Hmm. I think you would have a lot of people who would perceive it as being side effect-free, consequence-free, and they would do a lot of crazy shit. You know, maybe murder rob steal but i think they would also they would quickly realize hopefully over time that there are still effects and consequences just cuz you're not getting caught doesn't mean you're not going to have these consequences of Behaving in a particular way. So
3: when do you guys think the studies are going to come out as far as consequences on all these like delivery services? So this weekend it was all rainy, right? Bad weather. Yeah. And like I think uh, I think my Oura ring said I took like seven hundred steps, like total. That, <laughs> yeah. Like we literally. I mean, I was sick too, right? So you know, to give myself a, a little bit of a break here. But and playoffs and everything else. But like. yeah, right. Yeah. And I was watching sports, so it was a good weekend to be holed up. But what I, I thought was so we we had uh, Costco. Uh, Safeway and, and Nick the Greek right so Damn. everything delivered to our house wow. so Costco you know rang our doorbell at like noon you know dropped off all our Costco stuff then in comes Safeway Safeway drops all of our Safeway stuff off and then wow. in comes lunch Nick the Greek drops off Food for us, Anyway, you
1: know, we, were you just in your T-shirt? It? Yeah, totally. It's like,
0: yeah, <laughs> you
3: just like add. I mean, do they add like a service fee? As they get yeah, like six bucks, like, not bad. Yeah, yeah, of course, six yeah. bucks. Cost, cost my truck that much to drive up the fucking road. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you do the, you do <laughs> yeah, the, you no brainer. Yeah, especially on a on a day like that. You know, it's uh, yeah, I think it costs us totally like six dollars extra in services. Maybe uh, combined all three of them, maybe twelve bucks or whatever. Uh, worth of uh, you know, and you
1: were in your typical you know Adam wears when he's at home. Like when you're lounging around at home, people wear like their sweats or whatever. Yeah. Adam just wears a shirt, <laughs> no pants, no pants. It's no. no, my look. It's like yeah. a, <laughs> it's like you a, gotta a, let the let it breathe. It's like a it's yeah. like a nightgown except it's too small. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I mean, I don't need that visual. Yeah. So. <laughs> you <laughs> going just, too far. But you know, I
0: you, mean, see, you
3: just see bottom. I think we're gonna just see. see I, I I so if one one of the times. How funny is this? So one of the times, this is how popular it's getting though. Uh, I went out and this guy pulls up and he didn't uh, speak the best English. Katrina is like, um, hey, hey uh, she goes, Safeway's here. and Could you go run down at me? And we always try and meet them outside because otherwise the boys go crazy and they start barking and want to <coughs> you know bite someone's head off. Always freaks out people dropping off shit. So she's like, could you go run out there? It's Oh, I just saw Safeway pull up. So I, I, I go out and uh, the guy that was pulling up, he... He was confirming the address to me, but he had really broken English. And so I didn't understand him. I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I start taking these bags. <laughs> I'm like, it was somebody and, else's? Yeah, yeah, it was so, yeah, it was somebody else's shit. He's he's walking up the stairs and he's like looking at my address and he's like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is, yeah, 36. And he's like, yeah, no, 38. And I'm like, oh, sorry. And so, uh, but that's how popular it's getting that. You know, at the same time, I'm getting stuff to somebody else and you're starting to see this happen more and more. And again, to your point, Sal, like, you know, such an awesome service, right? I'm so happy to have it. But, you know, that, that stuff starts to add up. It you, does. The, grocery shopping is actually one of my favorite things to create activity on the weekend. You know, I actually, I'm the guy who uh, I know most guys hate to go shopping with their wife or their partner. I actually opt to go a lot of times, Katrina, because it's a quick, easy way for me to get mm-hmm. two to three thousand steps, and I can have a conversation with her. We normally have great conversation while we shop, you know. And we, you
1: and know. a grocery store, if you just if, not with kids, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, I get that's that. A, that is well, that's the, the a, worst. That's a way to practice uh, being present. Let me tell you, Right. you go to the grocery store if you just sit there and just observe and and, and slow the process down, especially the vegetable and fruit section and. It's a very vibrant, colorful, kind of beautiful place to be. Sexual. Yeah, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it is. It's a lot of cucumber yeah. shopping. Lots of, lots of cucumbers of, and eggplant. Cheesy yeah, jalap. Justin, Justin's uh, grocery cart uh, uh, items there. Nothing yeah, but eggplants yeah, and cucumbers. Courtney's yeah. like, uh, "Why you got all these phallic uh, uh, yeah, vegetables? Yeah, yeah. What, what are we eating bananas. tonight? Bananas, carrots, cucumbers, and eggplant. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's, nom, that's nom. a weird dinner. And <laughs> 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 pickles. Start I don't get this. What, no. what about the proteins? Oh, sausage.
3: So speaking of those services, you guys see, and I tell you what, man, this is why I. When we brought up Uber the other day, why I'm not a big fan of Uber as a stock right now. Uh, one of the other things that Uber is counting on, aside from their uh, self automated cars to uh, meet their, um, you know, what they've been uh, evaluated as, but also their their Uber Eats. They're counting on Uber Eats to dominate the space and right. take over. And Amazon just swooped in and picked up on a company called Deliverco, which is like the biggest uh, food delivery service. Uh, in London, hmm. and they uh, outbid uh, Uber on that and and snatch that up. So you know that's not good. So now they're going to make them international. They were just in London before yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Yeah. So look out, Amazon's making their way into the food delivery service like uh, Uber and it's so competitive. I love Dorvash. it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it is. It's fun. I mean, as a consumer, it's really fun. You know to what's going to happen
1: at some point if there's enough competition? Is it'll be mark my words. You'll have companies try to kill kill each other. It'll be cheaper to have it delivered to your house than it will be to drive it's and buy it at the grocery bro, store.
3: Bro, it's already there. That's why I just said yeah. that. I mean, literally I mean, Safeway's not that far, and it's an exaggeration to say that my truck would take six dollars of gas to get there. But it most certainly would take a couple bucks. Hmm. It would take a couple bucks to get to the get there and come out, and then your time. It's like when you when you do the math on it, it's like it's actually kinda hard to justify it. The only the way I justify it is like it's good for me to get the activity. Oh, that?
1: that's so awesome. That's
3: that's how that's how crazy it's gotten. It's like I definitely don't not do it because of the cost, the cost to me is a no-brainer. It's I actually opt to do it most of the time because I want to get out. It's a good time for Katrina and I to get out together to walk to talk to do that, to get activity. But if it was purely a costing, it's already gotten to the point now where it makes almost more sense just to have a I deliver. mean
1: just wait till they start to figure out that they can even market to you with it like we'll deliver your groceries and then when you get them, oh, here's a free bag of samples, here's a free bag and on top of it, so one thing that grocery stores did a, a while ago, not a huge long time ago, but a while ago that was really helped grocery stores make a lot more money was they gave you these uh, membership cards so like for for saving on deals so like a Safeway card or a, a you know a lucky's card or whatever. And you type it in and you get a discount. In reality, what they're doing is they're trying to track your purchasing habits so that they know what people want, what they don't want, what they're selling you. That's a new level when you buy things online. A whole new level. Like Now they'll be able to market to you in ways that wasn't possible. That's before. what I really liked
3: about that mm. one show that we watched like a few episodes and I told you, I thought you would really like it. And yeah. it was the one where the guy, oh, uh, right. where it's the, just your being able to market to you becomes more valuable than money that you can opt to not pay for something to listen to someone market to you for five or 10 minutes. Like it's, that's becoming, we're getting to that point now. Like it's pretty interesting to watch how that starts to get integrated. And you know, speaking of markets, uh, I've been getting a ton of DMs, Sal, and I'm gonna defer to you because I feel like you read more on like the the CBD markets and what's going on mm. with that. Mm. Everyone keeps asking me, uh, you know, what stock am I invested in, and what do you think about that market? And you you tend to follow that more than I do.
1: Yeah. So with the uh, with the CBD market, I actually pulled up an article um, that was put out recently. This is like this week, and this is from Forbes magazine. Okay. Mm-hmm. The CBD market could reach about $20 billion by 2024. Wow. wow. So in the next five years, they expect it to hit $20 billion. And the, and this is crazy because CBD was non-existent, yeah, almost non-existent, I should say, about five years ago. Now, I personally think that there's a lot of interest in CBD, and I think there are some potential applications, in particular, I think- CBD, um, uh, and and the company of choice that I I work with is is Ned, and I'll tell you why in a second. But the reason why I think, uh, the things that I think CBD applies to are things like anxiety. I think as an anxiolytic, uh, the anecdotes that come back from the benefits of CBD Mm -hmm. are most positive with that. Like People are like, I'm anxious, it helps me calm my nerves or whatever, increases in sociability, so not that it's like a party drug like alcohol, but if you're an anxious person in public, oftentimes that that makes you feel less social. So a lot of people are like, oh, CBD helps me feel more social, probably from the anxiolytic properties. And then from the systemic, the anti-inflammatory systemic effects, um, being that it, CBD seems to help the body regulate its own uh, inflammatory process, which is good because Traditional anti-inflammatory drugs like uh, NSAIDs, right, uh, ibuprofen for example, um, or naproxen, which is found in Aleve, for example, those hammer down inflammation, and they're indiscriminate. Mm-hmm. It's not; it doesn't go from; it doesn't take you to a good, healthy level of inflammation. Is it just brings it all down? You need to have a certain level of inflammation in the body uh, to be healthy. Inflammation is is what signif- signals the body to repair, build. Mm. Studies will show that athletes who take lots of traditional anti-inflammatory drugs uh, have less muscle growth, have Im- increases in tendon and ligament tears over long periods of time. CBD is different in the sense that it seems to help the body regulate its own inflammatory system. So if, you're in- if your natural inflammatory system is a little bit off because of lack of sleep, poor diet, whatever, mm-hmm. CBD helps your body bring it into a normal range. It doesn't hammer it down. Brings it into a normal range. I could see where that is uh, something that uh, is beneficial for CBD. Where I don't necessarily see CBD doing a lot of things is how it's being marketed everywhere else. Crazy, fucking fat loss and beauty. You know, beauty. Rub this on your fucking on your face and drink the water and this and that. Yeah, like I don't see. I think they're just hopping on the. CBD train and, and, and because it's so because it's it, you Just know pixie dusting it everywhere yeah and it remind it's like oh weed is becoming legal what's the thing i can take yeah. that's not uh, gonna make me high? well
0: it's interesting you bring that up because courtney and i actually spent the weekend uh focused on you know restoration and really like uh you know getting away and and uh, you know, getting massages and, and you know, recuperating. And uh, so we had like a couple's massage. And one of the options there I was looking was actually using CBD oil, like mm-hmm. within the process of that. I thought that was interesting. Obviously, of course, that's like just another thing that I think they're trying to kind of highlight that it's a
3: popular
1: thing. Now, now I could see value. But I see value. Yeah, yes. I
3: could see value in you taking your Ned drops before you go yes. go into a massage. Yes. I could totally see the value. Yes, enough.
1: yes, yes. And so, and, and here's the other thing, because the market's exploding, it's being flooded. With marketers who are who are marketing their products as having CBD, but here's the problem: real CBD um, at the at efficacious doses is actually quite uh, rare, and this is based off of studies. Like those, like the independent uh, researchers will go and test five different companies that say they have CBD in their products, and they'll find that none of them have CBD, or they have a very little amount, or they have other shit in it. Just like with other supplements, you know, it's just not very. So what you want is you want a company that's going to provide you with independent lab results to show you specifically yes our product contains efficacious amounts of of cannabinoids that's the other thing too CBD by itself is not as effective as when it's uh, full com- spectrum yeah when it's combined with other cannabinoids and terpenes from the plant scientists call this the entourage effect Ned is not a CBD oil it's a uh, it's a hemp full spectrum cannabinoid hemp oil so it's got all the cannabinoids. Uh, in there, uh, besides um, you know, uh, THC or at least low enough doses of THC to where it's it's legal. So, but it fucked twenty billion dollars. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and it went from no, it came out of nowhere. Right right now. It's the gold rush of CBD. It's it's yeah. the green rush. Green yeah, rush. That's there
3: exactly you go. what it is. Yeah, what yeah, you yeah. guys think of the all the Tony Robbins news, man?
0: Yeah. So inform us, like what? So it came out that. Um, that uh, people, like, what happened in terms of, like, the people that were, like, complaining it
3: said, that... It said that, okay, first of all, I guess it was, like... It's BuzzFeed. Tw- what, 20, Buzzfeed 20 to 30 years okay. ago, this had happened, that he was inappropriate with some employees, that he berated somebody else, like... And the, and the reason why I wanted to bring it up was, um, first of all, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. I think uh, what he's contributing uh, to society uh, in a, as a whole uh, is is mostly positive and amazing and uh, many people that I know that have experienced him in person or read his books or been around him has, has had nothing but amazing things to say about him as an individual and then out comes this article that completely just drags his name through the mud and mm-hmm. you know I read it and uh it was like man this. my first reaction my first reaction into it is like I always want to hear the other side of the story, uh, no Mm -hmm. matter what. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but I was like, man, that's too bad. That's, that's unfortunate for a guy who's done so good, so much good to, uh, to have something like this happen and my buddies were sharing it and they they reverted right away to you know uh the kind of piling on of of it as like oh you know it just shows you that you know all these people that are famous this and that they're fucking corrupt and da, 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 and like bad and
1: did you see the blo- the the article the, that he wrote he wrote towards yeah. two, like d- directed towards but he made some good points in there oh no, it
3: was excellent i thought and that's why uh, i wanted to bring it up now was because and now and, and i think you put it in your story the buzzfeed I did. yeah so you you shared it in your story um, and then hopefully Jack, you will link it in the show notes for those that want to read. But he wrote uh, a response to that and then even linked uh, some of the people that were, I think, quoted in the in the original article. Yeah,
1: I didn't know that BuzzFeed was actually <laughs> ranked, the, in, I think 2017, the least reliable yeah. news source. Um, That's
0: and, so frustrating when the, the sources, like they don't even vet the sources like they used to, like journalists. Like they've just put out what's no. going to get them. Well, it, it's, no, it's, and with
1: accusations like this, you got to be... As a reporter, I would think you need to be. Today it's so different, right? They don't give a shit anymore. They just okay. What's going to get clicks and headlines? Exactly.
3: I don't think they. I don't. I don't think it was a lack of vetting sources. I think it was malicious in intent, hmm. knowing that it would be. I mean, you're talking about one of the most famous people right now. I mean,
1: here's a guy that's been <laughs> yeah. a self-help, uh, you know, mega star for forty years. I mean, the guy has, uh, he has been at least 40 years, right, Doug, for Tony Robbins? Been
2: crushing? Yeah. 30 or 40, I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, so
1: decades. And he has advised some of the world's greatest leaders. He's been in front of hundreds of thousands or millions of people now cumulatively. He used to sell videos that he sold to. So through all the decades of work that he's doing, this guy's been relatively impeccable in terms of... <laughs> You know how he's done how he's how people have uh, you know interacted with him and all that stuff and so now you have BuzzFeed coming out and saying, hey 20 thirty years ago or 20 years ago, here's a few things that he did that were you know whatever which okay, maybe they have a story, but I hope that they really were careful about vetting it because we're we live in a, in a, in a time now where it's like guilty until proven innocent it's not the other way around anymore. Yeah, it's kind of, well,
0: so I remember when, uh, it was Chris Hardwick, I don't know if you guys remember, when he got uh, accused of, it was during the, the whole Me Too, like, drive, like, he, his girlfriend, like, had this vendetta to basically drag his name through the mud, and and he got fired from his job. He got fired from all these other like shows. He was on like, (laughs) he had probably like 10 or 12 shows. Like he was running at one time and they just, before even going through the process of. Cut them. They just cut him Mm. completely. And it was just to me immediately just red flags. And I'm not like, you know, obviously if somebody was wronged and they went through the process of of being judged and tried uh for their for their crimes, like that's that's everything. Like like take them down. But you know, if you didn't do the process of even going uh looking into it from both perspectives, like that's where I'm just like Well what's
3: what's unfortunate and and that's and I don't remember who was speaking to this point, but that to your point, Sal, that we we live in this time now of you're you're guilty until proven innocent is something like that that just goes out like on Tony Robbins, like no matter how false or wrong or the other side of the story, he's fucked no matter what, yeah. because there's it tarnishes like, his name. Well, there's going to be millions of people that won't read any for, further beyond that, that automatically will make their judgment from that one one reading and and that's all they needed to tip that like ah i knew he couldn't be that awesome i knew they you know fuck him or mm-hmm. like you know what i'm saying and then won't do any more research will go about their day not think twice about it and now they have this image of him and then if he's ever talked about from that person and that, there's got to be there's when you talk about the millions of people that read that article there's gotta be a, a percentage of those people that immediately is it's he's tarnished. Well now. the way that's, I look at, unfortunate.
1: The way I look at it is this is that if somebody if somebody says, oh you know, makes an accusation, you gotta listen to them and then don't yep. make them feel like shit for accusing. No. Get and then the person who got accused, you gotta also don't assume that they're automatically guilty, but obviously keep your eyes open and get your case together. And then if it turns out that the accuser was being honest. Take that person down. If the accuser turns out that they were they had ulterior motives and they were lying, take that person down. But until you know, be objective because A, you don't want victims to be afraid. Mm. You know, you don't want victims to be afraid of coming forward because they feel like they'll get attacked. Because that's how I, that's what's I, happened I, in the past.
3: I, I hate the idea of anything like that, though. Even even taking someone down who's wrong, right? So I mean I think of myself like, and and I think about where we're at in our lives and what we're trying to do. And, and, you know, one of the things that I talked about the other day was, you know, I'm going when we were hanging out with Mark Manson was, you know, I'm in a place in my life where my, my goal is to, to give more than I take. And and a lot of that is the, the evolution of my own life and, and personal growth and where I'm at in my life today. And I would hate for any of the, the, the good or the stuff that I try and give today that, I, that I, I feel comes from a very pure place to be tarnished by something I did when I was 22. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did a lot of stupid shit in my life. Everybody a sure completely did. different I, person. I, yeah. Everybody I, did. I, right. I, I said a lot of things that probably came off really bad. I probably didn't treat a lot of people right. I, I, I probably did a lot of things that you could totally burn me at the stake for. And that sucks that we live in a world today that... I can't recreate myself or be a better version of myself because of all those things and that if I were to build this massive platform that ends up helping millions of people and change millions of lives and millions of people love me that it could be stripped away from me or or tarnished because
1: something came out when I, Adam was 21. Oh, no, I think the reaction, you know, I, like, I think it needs to be appropriate. When I, when I say take the person down, I mean, it. I think it needs to be appropriate. Because, look, here's the deal. If you're listening right now, um, if you had a camera on you 24 hours a day from the age of 13 till now, every single person listening to this podcast and every single person that you know, 100%, I could find clips of shit that you said or did that was repulsive, horrible, right. terrible. Everybody, everybody, something you said, yep. something you did, something you acted. We're we're, we're all selfish, you know, uh, terrible people at some point in our lives when we're teenagers, maybe when we're not that self aware and we're just fucking you know idiots. Uh, we're, you know, we've all done something really really mean or said something terrible. Uh, I have, all of us have, and, and it's. All of us would be fucked. So it has to be proportional. So if he said something or did something or whatever... And it was rectified. Okay, fine. That was 20, 30 years ago. You he may be a different person. And that's person what today. That, that's what this is. You know that, yeah, right? I this, know
3: this is twenty to thirty years ago. Yeah, mm. it's like Jesus Christ. Now, and that's not to say like that someone shouldn't be taken down for things like what we saw with Bill Cosby. Or oh, geez, like that. No, that's totally uh, yeah. different, right? Like you, you, I mean, there's. I think... he never
1: he he never paid for that shit. Right. Right. Yeah, that's totally that's different. Justice. Totally. Totally different. Hey, are you guys uh, seeing the whole? Trade war, China, U.S. economic shit that's going on with. uh, How do you pronounce that company? Huawei.
0: I call it yeah, Huawei. I don't Uh, know how you pronounce it
1: specifically. Do you see what's going on with Huawei,
0: dude? Huawei see has been on my radar. I've been listening to a couple podcasts that have brought them up in terms of like uh, how their market share has grown like substantially, and who's really behind Huawei. Like there was a guy there that uh, I I believe the founder was somewhat tied to their intelligence uh, for for China at some point. It's
1: a state sponsored. Right. Company, so, so
0: think about it. Think about like their their interests, like in, in, in wanting to control, uh you know, having all that technology at their disposal. Everybody's cell phone now has you know some
3: tie in
1: with uh, well, what China.
3: Is, what do they produce or sell? What is it? You
0: gotta well, Huawei
1: was uh, it's a huge tech company. Phones, yeah, and that. and they were poised to potentially become one of the number, if not the number one. They're already one of the top, but the number one. Producer of uh, cell phones, basically. That's one of their biggest products. So they're a tech monster uh, out in Asia, um, and they're you know competing with companies like Samsung and Apple. And they've been caught listening in on people already. Well, so now what it is is that the U.S. has, and I think this is all part of the economic war. That's make no mistake, China and the U.S. right now are engaging in a type of cold war through economics. It's, it's 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 been waging for a lot a while now, but it's been ramped up with the tariffs and with the calling each other out and this is a big shot across the bow which is the US government saying to companies to US tech companies, if you want to work with Huawei, you have to get US government approval. So now Google is cut all their ties with Huawei. Oh shit. And that will just di- like that. That's going to fuck Huawei's you know, market international. I mean, they'll still do their ch- so in China, Huawei by far is the largest supplier of cell phones and stuff in China, but they in, in 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 the Chinese markets, they're not even allowed to have Google on there. They're not allowed to have Facebook. They use uh, Huawei Operating platforms and Chinese-based stuff. So already it's been banned in China. Like you can't. But internationally, which is where they were exploding, because they make cheap, you know, decent phones. Right. They rely on Google, and and internationally, oh, com- wow. Internationally, international consumers don't want a fucking Chinese-produced phone with Chinese shit on it. That and they're not not having Google. Right. So Google now out. Whoa. Now they're not going to work yeah. with, because that's, because that's the because a U.S. Big deal. That's, that's a, big a huge deal. deal. Intel. Yeah. Microsoft. Everybody's like nobody can work with. Pull the plug on them. Can't work with them unless uh, they get like uh, approved by the U.S. government.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, it's it's convenient that we don't all we don't have to see. Uh, all this like espionage and all this kind of stuff that goes on like constantly, like day to day. Like, uh, you know, it's it's convenient that we think it just all works and everything's great, and uh, you know, nobody's like really trying to like steal ideas and all this kind of stuff. But like, uh, the reality is something completely different. You know, we're. There's literally like a, an underground war going on of information between countries.
1: Yeah, that's the big fear. The big fear is that these Chinese phones are spying on us. Or, well, first of all, they all are. They're all spying on us. But this is a state-sponsored, uh, you know, uh, phone or whatever technology. Um, so that's how they're fueling the or or supporting the decision to do that. Now, and, and as a result of that, of course tech markets slide and in, in, you know, loss of money because now, remember, China is the second largest economy in the world. They're a powerhouse. And so we're further isolating them. And that kind of hurts everybody economically, but it hurts China the most. And so what you have right now is this economic war with tariffs, with stealing each other's technology. And now stuff like this—it's a war of attrition and so, right now. This is it. This yeah. was the Cold War. Yeah. The Cold War with the Soviet Union. Eventually, we won because it turned into who can spend more money and who can handle the most pain. Yeah, but and China's in it for the long haul, man. Well, that's an interesting one. So I think what I think is going to happen is uh, if, if Trump wins the next election, I think China is going to be in a bad position. Uh, uh, until that, up until the election, I think China is going to try real hard. To make Trump look bad, and hope the next guy that comes in is going to be like, you know, mm. hey, we'll we'll start working with them. But right now, it's a fucking economic war. War, and my only fear is if we go too deep in the economic war, that it'll get to the point where, where it'll be proxy wars, and then it'll be real war. Because right now, it's like we're hurting each other economically. But you hurt mm. someone enough, economically enough, I mean, make no mistake, it's war. Make no mistake, it's we're affecting people. It's just we're not firing guns. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Mm-hmm.
2: This quaz brought to you by Organifi. When the gym is absolutely packed and all the major equipment is taken, what do you suggest doing improvise using lighter weights with higher reps or choose different exercises?
1: Oh wow that's a good question This is a, a legit pro I forget how big of a problem this is because oh. I haven't worked out in a, yeah. <laughs> in a big busy gym and, and you know I do it well, occasionally I those days yeah yeah I do it occasionally, but most of my workouts are done now at my house in my garage, which is just basic equipment Way and better. I don't have to wait for anybody except for Jessica. And uh, and the, or I work out early in the morning at a gym and early mornings are typically not super packed. This is the prime time. This is when people are going to work out. Like, I mean, I tell you what, if you've never ran a gym before, like you, you majority of your sales production and workouts happen between the hours of like four Mm -hmm. to like eight p.m. There's that four hour window where it's like it's like lunchtime in a restaurant. Like if you want a sandwich shop, you ain't selling shit until yeah. about lunch, and then it gets crazy. I just remember I'd like finding a corner,
0: getting like a bench that would go <laughs> incline or you know w- would be adjustable, and then having
1: dumbbells. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like everybody else can get away from me. I'm yeah. I'm busy right here. That's T- exactly what I do. Like what I like to do when this happens. Um, and again, it hasn't happened for a while, but it's what I used to do. If I could get my hands on one exercise that was really effective, then so let's say I'm doing a long leg workout and I'm, it's going to do I'm going to do squats, maybe walking lunges, leg press, stiff legged deadlifts, leg curls, or something like that. Let's say I get my hands on a squat or a leg press, and I'm looking around, I'm like that shit's gonna, that's still busy, it's still busy. I'm doing ten sets of one exercise. That's what I do. I start to just do one exercise and I do a lot of sets of that exercise and. It's actually quite effective. In fact, I do that even when it's not super busy. I do that in my garage where sometimes I pick one exercise and I practice the hell out of it. And it has benefits uh, indep- on, uh, independent of any other factor. Like just the fact that you're doing one exercise so many other times uh, or so many, for so many sets, there's a lot of benefit to do doing that anyway.
3: No, th- th- there is. And I love that idea because typically you can get like a single barbell to possibly deadlift a single barbell to possibly squat a single barbell to possibly do a flat or an incline bench or a barbell to do an overhead press. Like one of those things hopefully is open. And if it's that chaotic, that's exactly what I, I might do myself is like, you know what today I'm, I'm going to do incline bench for the entire hour You and prime myself really well and take my time and do a tempo set then do a heavy set and just work that exercise Mm -hmm. for an an entire hour. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. That's something I would do intermittently. Obviously, I wouldn't choose every time I come to the gym. Hopefully, this doesn't screw you every time. Like if you're somebody who only works out at 5 p.m. every night at the gym, this could be a, a rough situation. And in that case... Every time I go to the gym, and if I I I always have like one or two movements I really want, like I really want to do, like mm-hmm. meaning that uh, I definitely want the two rocks in the right, right. Like all the exercises that I plan to do today of the the six to eight of them that I I'm going to go through. Um, You know, there's two in there, one or two of them that are like, I'm going to the gym for that reason. So if that's, and let's say those two are just taken at that moment, I'll do a bunch of the other stuff Mm -hmm. waiting until that moment comes to where I can go do that exercise. Definitely
0: that. But then I'll also be like a little more uh, assertive in terms of like, I'm going to go up there and be like, how many sets you got left? Whatever. Like, and I'm going to put my fucking towel or whatever (laughs) I got to do to be able to get that squat rack right after they're done. I'll work out next to them. Uh, but, like, yeah, I have at least one or two movements. I got. Like, those are, like, the non-negotiables I have to get done.
1: Yeah, that's the equivalent of putting your quarter on the video game back in the day. Totally. Uh, playing. Like, I got I, like, I would totally do that. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing, too. This is just... Work, working in, Yeah, too. I was just going to say, yeah, this is gym, gym etiquette. Like, if you... If the person working out is... If you don't have to do major adjustments to what equipment they're using... Like, if they're on a leg press and the guy's leg pressing nine plates and you you want to leg press two plates, might not work. But if there aren't major adjustments, um, gym etiquette, sa- etiquette says that they should. They say yes to you if you ask to jump in. Now, you have to be mindful of the time that they're resting in between sets. So you don't want to jump in and completely mess up the workout. But you ask them, hey, you mind if I jump in? And they, most people will say, most good people will say yes. Here's the other thing too that I think it's is important to communicate. If you're a consistent gym goer, this becomes more of a problem for you but if you're a consistent gym goer, I think that people don't spend enough time going to the gym and playing around. Like, it's okay to go to the gym and sometimes go off routine Absolutely. and just practice and have fun with different pieces of equipment and different things that you don't normally use and just get in there and feel how they feel. And, and, and I've done this, I do this specifically when I go to new gyms now, because I, like I said, I never work out in big gyms. So now, when we're traveling and we go, like, we just recently uh, did our event, our live event in Encinitas, that's down uh, north of San Diego. And uh, we all decided, let's get a workout when we first get there because we'll have some time. So we went to this, what was the name of the gym there? We should give him a fit? shout out. Something, it was just fit and right? just fit. Yeah. yeah. It was a great gym, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it was awesome. But because I never work out and, and typically don't work out in gyms, I go in there to play. So, like, I know what I typically do to work out. Mm-hmm. But because I'm in a place with equipment that I'm not normally exposed to or around, I, my, my workout consisted of mostly shit that I never do. So I did a lot of machines. I did a lot of different types of equipment. And those types of workouts, because they're so different um, and because it's novel, become phenomenal workouts. Now, if I did them all the time, they wouldn't be as effective as my traditional workouts. There's a reason why I pick certain exercises that I do most of the time. But throwing them in every once in a while, they actually become super effective, novel stimulus type workouts and so I'm in there doing it's funny because as I'm doing all these machines I'm thinking and of course three people came up and recognized me I'm like great they probably think I'm a liar because I'm doing all these machines and isolation <laughs> movements when I'm always promoting barbell stuff but no it's yeah. it's. I'm going in there to play because I don't have access to all the stuff so that's another you know state of mind you can go in with And the last thing I'll say is this if you're super serious about your fitness and you're in a gym that's so packed that you don't have access to a lot of types of machines and equipment pay more and go to a better gym yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. The difference between Or get a PRX <laughs> or, or work out at home. Game changer. Yeah. The difference between a thirty dollar a month gym and a hundred eighty to $100 a hundred dollar a month gym is massive. And I know people are like, I don't want to pay another, you know, fifty dollars a month. It's a month. Fifty bucks a month is nothing. It really isn't for most people. I think most people they value gym memberships as cheap because so many gyms sell cheap ass gym memberships. Yeah. But if you value your fitness and health, you probably already invest money in it. Another 30, 40, 50 bucks a month. Katrina and I. And you'll have an amazing
3: gym. Katrina and I argue about this all the time because she gets so mad at me with our. Because this is. It comes out of one of our accounts, our joint account. And she, I have memberships. At you have like, like three or four Oh, bro. Ones. I have four yeah. different memberships. <laughs> I, that, <laughs> I still have at least that, three that yeah. I pay. So I probably spend three close to 300, 200 and something at least to close to $300 a month in gym memberships. But I. To me, I value it that much. There's something that I that I really appreciate in all those gyms, whether it be convenience for me, the uh, cardio equipment in another one, the pool in another one, one's the, more spa based, yeah, yeah, and so. I mean, I, I value my workouts that much that if I have a moment in the middle of the day where I'm feeling a, a vibe, like, I mean, I had that the other day with you, Sal, where I was just like, I really want to steam. Like, mm-hmm. I like that I have a membership that I have access to a really nice steam room that I can go if that's what's what I'm feeling. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be able to go do that. Now, that, I guess not everybody has that ability to do that, so I, I get that, I understand it, but there is a lot of value to... Uh, in my opinion, if you care a lot about your health and fitness goals and th- with spending a little more money on the gym, and I think it has uh, got to the point where, you know, because of planet fitness planet fitness and the twenty four hour fitness because they drove the rates down so much that
1: we have this false perception of what the real value is. yeah, you know what I'm saying. like I know I know what it's like now in the in the gym market. Ten dollars more a month, people will, f- oh, oh, you're you're charging. 39 well the gym down the street's charging 29 it's like ten dollars even though the gym is way better we have a pool we have all this other stuff you want it's ten dollars more a month and people oh fuck it i'm not going to go to this gym because it's insane to me for me personally somebody who i i take my fitness and health very seriously and it's something that i prioritize i don't give a shit if i spend twice as much a month what's the difference 50 bucks a month big it, deal i'm using it and i'm not it's not packed all the time it's like,
3: hilarious no. we'll pay 130 for yoga pants yeah, yeah. <laughs> one pair. Yeah. yeah, one pair of yoga pants. We'll pay one hundred and thirty dollars for them. <laughs> we won't. We won't spend thirty nine ninety nine for a gym membership. No, yeah. so that's, that's the outrageous. thing. outrageous. That's
1: the thing. The cheaper gyms are going to be packed. The cheaper gyms are going to be dirtier, and the equipment is not going to be as up to date in terms of you and know a, if it's broken, it'll and be available. broken for a week. You know, um, spend a hundred. I, I promise, if you spend a hundred dollars a month in most places, you're going to get a gym that's not that packed. Uh, that's got clean good equipment and you might not have to deal with this. But again, if you're dealing with it, have fun, go in and play around. Say, "Okay, today I had the structure to my workout. It's obviously not going to happen. Rather than going home, let's go try some different You shifts.
3: know what's funny, so you actually that's we we talk a lot about on here about uh, you know, people ask us a lot like predicting trends that we're going to see. I'm going to put that out there and say that we're going to see a rise in the, you know, higher end gyms for these types of reasons. Uh, health and fitness is becoming more popular and more trendy. Like, you know, that Planet Fitness is starting to capture all these people that will just throw $10 away and never use a gym. Mm-hmm. That more and more people are becoming aware of the importance of health and fitness and having a gym membership, that this is going to become a thing that's going to become annoying for the really serious people. And I think you're going to see a, it's already happening the, the, an uptick w- in these.
1: Oh, it's already happening. What's the company that owns, um, uh, I can't remember, Western? I don't remember the name of them, but they own... Courtside, they own mm. the bay club i think was another yeah, big yeah. one i know who you're talking about yeah and um i think it's, a, it's i think there's a one parent company there still is. right mm-hmm. okay they are, that's what they specialize in they specialize be club one right no. um i'm not sure no no, 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 no. no, no. Okay. that's different so they specialize in the higher end gyms that mm-hmm. are anywhere between 100 to 150 bucks a month and they're profiting like crazy lifetime lifetime is opening up these gyms and they're spending a lot of money on them. Did you see the apartment complex type gyms that they're opening? Mm-hmm. They're op- they're building buildings, so mm-hmm. apartment buildings, but it's all centered around fitness. So they have sick ass gym, like a sick ass gym, or it's either next to an amazing Lifetime Fitness or it's just part of it. The apartment complex itself is catered towards people who want who, who consider health and fitness a priority in their lives. Yeah. So I think it's already happening, Adam. I, the market's already starting to splinter off where you're getting the, the high-end stuff and that's going to keep growing and then you're going to get little niche markets. That's in there. actually
0: an interesting opportunity. I, I talked to a trainer who uh, had basically got one of those apartments from an apartment complex that just emerged in there. There was a gym that was, you know, a really nice gym, but... Centered his entire business around just recruiting everybody there that lived there to to train with him, and was doing really well with mm, it. I guess wow. And so. That was interesting. That uh, it captured that uh, that specific uh, you know market.
2: Next question is from Elena Jover. After a two week period of no workouts during a program like Maps Anabolic. Is it better to continue where you left off or to start the program all over again? This we have questions like this. This
3: all time. may be one. Of the, I was just gonna say, the number one question mm-hmm. I I probably get about our programs. Like, what do I do uh, when I stop in the middle of one of them? Like, where uh, do I start over? Now, I'm curious to hear what you guys say. I know what I typically recommend people to do. Now, here's the thing: you take a two week break or more. You can't really do anything wrong. Just restarting the program anywhere and you would be okay. Mm-hmm, Whether it be yeah. move along to the very next phase, start that phase over, start the whole program over, uh, nothing's a bad idea to be honest with you. And it's it's hard to say exactly which would be the best. So I, I, I don't think you can go wrong mm-hmm. with, uh, with any of these because your body is going to respond to any stimulus at that point because you've already started to go the other direction because you haven't worked out. But I typically tell people if they, wherever they start, stopped in the program, so let's say you're in MAPS anabolic and you're on phase two and you're two weeks in and then you fall off and then you're off for two weeks or more and then you come back on, i normally always just say start that phase over again and then pick up where you left off. That's typically the recommendation. That's there.
1: that's what I would typically recommend. But uh, you, So I don't have a hard number, but what I've noticed with myself is that if I take a break Typically, one-third of the time of the of the break that I took is how long it takes me to kind of get back into it. In other words, if I did a three-week break, I would give myself a week to get my body back so that I could train at the same intensity and same level I was at before. If it was a six-week break, it might take me two weeks, for example. This is going to be different from person to person. Wherever you start back, start slow. Uh, one of the things that I learned, uh, one of the lessons I learned over and over again uh, on myself is if I did take a break and come back, I'd come back with the same fury and intensity as I left with mm-hmm. and my body and I'd be sore shit and it just would have overdone it. So whatever you wherever you start back up in, give yourself some time to work back up to the same level of intensity regardless of where you jump back in. So, well, I don't care if it's phase 1, phase 2 or phase 3, you left with a certain type of intensity, you're not going to probably not going to be able to jump in with the same kind of intensity. Um, and in my opinion, it's around one, and isn't is that a perfect number, uh, like one-third the time that you took off. So, you know, if it's three months off, it might take you a month to slowly work your way yeah, back Yeah, this in. is a
0: hard one because I don't have a hard answer. Like, yeah, you definitively have to jump back to that same phase that you're working on uh, if you wanted to move forward. I think that uh, it, it, a lot of it is a feel thing. How long did you take off? Like, what what... Do you feel recharged like you want to move forward and progress or do you feel like, you know, maybe you need some time to, you know, like a refresher to go back through that same phase and, um, you know, work on that skill set a little bit further. I think that that there's value in that. Mm-hmm. I think there's value in, um, because of the fact that your body had started to respond. And then now you go into this period where, you know, you're getting rest and, um, you know, maybe like you rested long enough to where I could revisit that and like benefit from that same experience. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I tend to just take it based off of like the the time length off. Like if that was more of like a deload versus like, well, I kind of spent a really long time off, so I should probably start over. Well,
1: M- Maps anabolics cool because it's got prephase. Right. I don't think That's I would. It. I
3: don't think I would ever just if it's at least a, a week or two off. I don't think I would ever just pick up where I left off. I think I would always either reset the phase or reset the whole program. Because mm-hmm. uh-huh. to your point, where you were heading with the pre-phase, Sal, I was like, "Yeah, if you start getting three weeks, four weeks, five weeks out, I mean, you become deconditioned really quick." Mm-hmm. Uh, my my first week, my first workout back, always when I've taken off a few, a couple weeks, is it looks like none of our phases. It looks, or if it looks like anything, it looks closer to pre-phase. Exactly.
1: That's why I put pre-phase <coughs> in maps anabolic. So pre-phase is in in, in in maps anabolic, there's two reasons for it. One is for the people who are haven't worked out in a little while, but they want to do maps anabolic, it's not appropriate to jump right into phase one. Phase one is for people who've been working out and then they go MAPS anabolic and want to try something different. Go right to phase one. If you haven't been working out, you start in pre phase. And depending on how long you haven't worked out, you can do that for anywhere between two weeks to three months before jumping into phase one. If you're a total if you're a beginner, I'd go three months first. Uh, if you've only taken off a couple months, I'd go one to three weeks and then jump into phase one. But prephase can also be used when you just take time off in between. So if you're following a program, you're following MAPS Anabolic, and then, oh shit, I haven't worked out for two weeks, do a week of prephase and then jump right back in to where you left off. That's a great way to utilize prephase. Now, for those of you that don't own MAPS Anabolic and you want to know how you could apply some of that knowledge to your current program, um, Pre-phase basically is a very basic full-body workout, uh, three sets per body part, eight to twelve reps, focusing on technique and form. Um, and you do that, you know, two to three days a week. So if you've taken a few days off, a few weeks off of your routine, you're not a Maps Anabolic, uh, you know, customer, but you want to utilize some of this knowledge. Just do a full-body workout three days a week. Do a, one exercise per body part, eight to twelve reps. Focus on your form. That'll help get you back uh, to where you left off, so you could jump back into your routine.
2: Next question is from Anya VR: Is it better to do a slow, more gradual cut as opposed to a shorter, more drastic mini cut?
1: Well, it depends on on what you mean by better. So, if the idea is, if the if the question is, what's better for short term fat loss? Um, then I could make the argument that the drastic mini cut and a mini cut would be a, a reduction, a drastic reduction in calories, or at least in the way this person's putting it, because a mini cut doesn't have to be drastic. But this person said drastic. So a drastic mini cut would be 750 calories or more under your current uh, caloric uh, burn in terms of consumption. So if you're burning 3,000 calories a day, you're going to take in 2,000 or 2,200 calories a day. That would be a kind of a drastic, and then the mini cut would be you're doing it for two to four weeks, and then you go back. Yes, you'll burn more body fat in a short period of time doing it that way than doing it gradual. Now, if the question is which one's better for long-term success, gradual, because gradual allows you the time to slowly integrate new behaviors and patterns into your life that become permanent um, before you move on to more behavior changes and patterns. Um, and that's been the process that I've seen to be the most successful long-term and that it's not the short-term solution, but long-term, in my opinion, it's the better way.
3: Now, I, I agree with you. Um, I do want to add though, the, the mini cut like that, where you, um, you drop drastically, like let's say, and I've done as high as like a thousand calories a day. I've reduced that all really depends on that advice. Uh, is where that person's metabolism is currently at, whether I would allow that or recommend that or potentially work with that. So if you're used, example, like you said, Sal, 3,200 and they drop down, I mean, that's a pretty healthy place. Um, I would never want to take a, a client of mine who's like, let's say their caloric maintenance is at 1,300 calories and take them from 1,300 all the way down to, you know, 300 calories for an extended period of time. No. I don't think that's ideal. But there are some really good benefits to go. On a on a drastic quote unquote cut for a short period of time, and then to go back into a free refeed, you just got to be careful of what happens. What what tends to happen to somebody who it's like the 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 uh, purge and binge uh, habit happens a oh, lot yeah. when someone cuts that hard. That's the kind of the drawback of a drastic cut for um, you know let's say a week or two weeks. But I I mean when I compete, that's kind of what happens towards the last few weeks. Is I'm cutting pretty aggressively, and of course. What happens when you get off a stage and you're off? Is the next day you want to yeah. binge like crazy? So you got to be careful. If you, it encourages that behavior, it does. It encourages that because yeah. you're restricting so hard, and and then you then you decide, oh, I'm off my mini cut. Now it's back to refeed or increase calories. And what you do is instead of just replenishing the thousand calories a day, you end up replenishing 1,500, 2,000. So you know, just beware of that. I, but I think um, both of them. Um, are fine and have their place. I don't think it's uh, one is better than the other. I think they each have their pros and cons uh, to them. But to Sal's point, the slower, more gradual for overall health reasons is probably the better route. But there's great benefits to a, an aggressive mini cut because then you're obviously going to see a faster, more rapid fat loss. But then the flip to that coin is you know you also are going to want to rebound really hard afterwards, and you need to have that mental. Yeah, discipline.
1: I would I would say that the slow, gradual cut. You know where you're, where you're watching your your behaviors. You're changing small changes, making them permanent. That's appropriate for most people. That's the appropriate approach for most people. The mini cut approach is fine if you're good with your nutrition. If you've got good understanding of macros already, you've got a good control over it. You've got a good relationship with food. You're relatively advanced when it comes to manipulating. Calories and macros, and understanding how your body responds and reacts, then mini cuts uh, in that fashion um, are perfectly fine. But most people, I mean, look, I, I train a lot of everyday average people. I almost never recommended drastic mini cuts to most people. It was always the gradual approach that I found to be most successful. Except for the small periods of time when I would deal with a person like myself, like. I was a, I was a kid who was constantly, uh, you know, my issue with food was I thought I had to eat it all the time because I was skinny. And so my issue with food was to constantly force feed myself every two hours. There could be some behavioral, you know, uh, uh, potential benefits for someone like that where I say to them, Hey, we're not going to, we're going to have you fast today. And then tomorrow you're gonna eat a little bit just to kind of break those chains. But for most people, it's not that way for most people. The, the last thing I recommend is, you know, hey, Mrs. Johnson, I know you're trying to lose 30 pounds. Here's what we're going to do. I'm only going to have you eat 1,000 calories a day for the next week. And then next week, we'll make up for it by bringing it back up. Holy shit, man. If you want to strengthen a poor
2: relationship to food,
1: that's a great way to do it. I don't yeah. see a whole lot of benefit there. Someday I'm going to meet this
0: Mrs. Johnson. I always bring her up, don't I? <laughs> yeah.
2: Next question is from nautical fan 2 Can you go in depth on what body dysmorphia is and how it can sabotage our health and fitness goals? And how it can affect our daily life as well as physical and emotional health? Mm. Would you
3: would you say that everybody or all of us have some sort of body dysmorphia?
1: I would say it's extremely common. Um, it's, it's, a, it's
3: just a, I think there's a spectrum, right? I think that the, some of us it's uh, extremely bad to where you do extremely bad behaviors as a result of it. And then I think oh, – yeah, and what makes me think that all of us kind of have it, and I think I shared this on the show before. Some like, degree. Right. Like a, one of my trainer buddies, I, I remember uh, seeing the way he like covered up his body when, uh, you know, I ran into him in the in the bathroom. And I was thinking of my – what I was thinking was, oh, man, he looks good. He looks thick and filled out. Like that was like what's crossed my mind. What was obviously crossing his mind because he said something right away like, oh, man, I've been so out of shape. And like right away starts making an excuse to – why he doesn't think he looks good right now, and I think, wow, that's that's crazy that that he views himself that way. When I was actually in my head, like complimenting mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. without saying anything, I was thinking, well, he looks really good right now, and I and it made me actually reflect on myself and like, you know, how often do I do this to myself, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, it, being completely honest, I'm sure I, I do this where I'm super hyper critical of uh, the way I look because the way I imagine people view my body when it's not at its best is probably way worse than how they really view it i think most people probably don't even fucking notice don't care or actually even think i may look decent when i'm instead i go like oh god i don't look good right yeah
1: i mean first off i want to say that you know none of us are uh psychological Mm. experts or psychiatrists um and body dysmorphia um you know the clinical body dysmorphia is a This this is an issue that uh, oftentimes uh, can be treated, or people will try to get treated by medical professionals. That being said, we are in the fitness industry. We've been in the fitness industry for uh, you know over twenty years, and uh, the fitness industry is the place to find body dysmorphia. And and I mean, it it defines. Unfortunately, it defines. Uh, the fitness industry at large. Now, the the clinical definition or, or about uh, on body dysmorphia or body dysmorphic disorder is a you know, mental illness involving obsessive focus on a perceived flaw in appearance. So the flaw may be minor or imagined, but the person may spend hours a day trying to fix it, and they may even try many cosmetic procedures or exercise to excess. Now, body dysmorphia can can range from people who literally you know uh want to remove a limb off their body that's that's a type of body dysmorphia where they they don't like their hand. this is a real one it's rare, super rare, but they want it to cut off cut it cut off to want it cut off to the more common forms of body dysmorphia where you just hate yourself, you don't mm-hmm. like your body, you think you're ugly, you think you're fat um and you very by the way, you very well may be overweight, so it's not that you're not necessarily uh, observing real things, you might be overweight. The, the problem is the obsession of it and the fact that your your body image becomes your self-image. It's when you identify mm-hmm. with these things that becomes the problem. I, I had I what I would consider severe body dysmorphia uh, growing up. I was a, a skinny kid. Now, here's a funny thing, by the way. I look at pictures of myself as a kid now, now that I've moved past a lot of this, I look at pictures of my ki- myself when I was a kid now and I look at them and I go, "Yeah, I was skinny, but it wasn't like it wasn't that bad." Right. But boy, did I imagine it to be like, well,
0: terrible. Yeah, when you're growing up in the developmental process, like all it takes is one comment a lot of times, you know, from one of your peers or somebody like a like a girl or somebody else that, you know, highlights something that you already, you know, have these insecurities about. And you know, for me that was the case, like just taking my shirt off and then uh, you know, having, like, bony shoulders and, like, being skinny and, like, being, like, ghost white, you know? That used to bother the shit out of me for a while until, you know, you, you grow up and you realize it's, like, like, everybody wants to point flaw in something. It doesn't even matter if you're the most beautiful person in the world. If you're the Megan Fox, everybody gives her shit about her her fingers that look like, they look like toes or whatever <laughs> the <laughs> fuck the it is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. There's always something and, uh, you know, so there's there, like you said, there's a spectrum of that. I, I believe that there's just like everybody has to face the facts
1: of like, you know, what are my flaws and, and can I move forward from that? It's funny. I was going through uh, old pictures with some family members and one of my aunts who's now in her 50s. We, we saw a picture of when I was a little kid and she was, you know, holding me and we were at the beach or whatever or, or I was standing next to her, I should say. And she was in her bathing suit and she laughs and she goes, I can't, she goes, I remember this. She goes, that's back when I used to think I was really fat. And and she was obviously wasn't. She's like, but back then I thought that I was and God, what I would do to look like that again or whatever. Everybody goes through that right when they get older. So it's, uh, it's a problem. Um, especially when you, cause I remember as a skinny kid or, or as a kid who perceived myself to be too skinny, it became my identity. I identified with it. So I had to change it at all costs because otherwise I'm not worth attention. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not a good person or whatever. That's where the problem comes from, and a big part of the problem of because it's grown by the way. Body dysmorphia is probably worse now than ever before,
3: especially in this Instagram
1: world. That's it. I mean, it's.
3: uh, I mean, they're asking, you know, how can it sabotage our health and fitness goals or affect our daily life? I mean, it could fucking cripple you. And I think you become
1: obsessed with it. And I
3: think we we are seeing it uh, more and more uh, today than we ever have. And I think a, a lot of that is promoted from these platforms where, and even myself, when I, I look, a lot of times I, I have to remind my, I go through my feed and I just like start unfollowing people because whatever it was that made me start following them, they're not, they're, I'm not getting a lot of value from them. All I'm, I see their physique and their body, and I'm just comparing. And you can't, whether you think you are or you're not, that's the thing too. And I know. When you hear people say that, because I'm not somebody who like goes on another page, you're and not consciously a- comparing. Yeah, I'm not consciously, but you're you're constantly seeing that, and it then it then makes your brain tricks your brain into thinking that's normal.
1: Yeah, let me give you an example, mm-hmm. right, Adam? You're you're six four, six foot four, right? Six three, six three. Yeah. three. Okay, so tall. You're re- you know tall for for the average person. If you lived in a world where the average man was seven feet tall or, or if you if you lived in that world for a few months you would start to perceive yourself as short right uh, that's because you your brain automatically compares yourself to the average The problem is the average is not what you see around you in the real world the average has become what you look at most which is your social media and the most of the shit that we follow on Instagram, if they're not friends or family are perfect looking, Photoshopped or whatever type of bodies, you're automatically without realizing it, you are now your body is your your brain is now perceiving where you are on the hierarchy of what you may value, which you may value how you look very very highly. So here I am, I'm someone who values looks very highly, and my brain is now perceiving me to be low on the totem pole because everybody I look at is perfect. Holy fuck, I don't, I'm I'm not a good person. I don't feel good. I feel bad about myself. Now, how does that affect your 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 exercise and fitness. Well, shit, man. If you're working out and eating because you fucking hate yourself, you're gonna make bad decisions. Bottom line, mm-hmm. you're gonna starve yourself or force feed yourself. You're gonna beat the crap out of yourself in the gym. You may take anabolic steroids or things to augment your. You're you're never gonna be satisfied, or you're, you
3: may just give up because you feel like it's unobtainable, or
1: or, or you may you may mm-hmm. drown yourself in food or alcohol or whatever. making This is why there's that the, that cycle of obesity. It's like I'm 15, 20 pounds overweight. I feel fat. I feel bad about myself. I want to feel better about myself. Food makes me feel better. I'm going to eat more food. Now I'm 30 pounds overweight, and then the cycle just yeah. continues. So that's kind of what it's all about, and if, it, it, it'll drive you in a way that doesn't feel good. So here's what you got to do. This is the most effective thing I ever did. Uh, for myself and the most effective thing I've ever communicated to clients. And again, I want to remind everybody I'm not a medical professional on this. Again, just the trainer. But I found this to be very effective is I tell people two things. Your body image is not your self-image. Okay, So you can objectively look at your body and say things, okay, but don't connect that to your self-image. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference between me looking in the mirror and saying, I have fat on my body. I think I have a little bit too much fat on my body or I have too much fat on my body. And there's a difference between that and saying I'm disgusting. I'm a disgusting person. I'm, I'm gross. I'm ugly. Or I am fat. Okay, you are not fat. You're, you have fat. So big, big difference. And, and if you think that that's not going to make a big difference, no, it makes a massive difference. Your self-talk is what you you start to believe. So separate the two. Number two Accept yourself. True acceptance and care doesn't mean you do whatever the fuck you want. Like when you see someone who really takes care of their of their car or of yeah. their their dog, you're not justifying bad behavior. Yeah, yeah. When you really, really care about your child, does that mean you let them do whatever the fuck they want and feed themselves want and do all the drugs? Of course not. You're going to take care of them properly. That's what true self love and self care is. When you're really taking care of yourself, it is not the false perception of self-care, which is the cowardly, easy way. Believe it or not, of escaping this is, oh, I care, I love myself. That's why I do whatever the fuck I want, yeah. and I don't, I don't try to work out because I love my body the way it is. And that's not, that's actually the opposite. You're just, you're, you're projecting a lot of your fears and insecurities, and you're, and you're selling yourself on your, uh, your the pathology of of how you're thinking about yourself. When you're really taking care of yourself, it's hard. It, you really have to take care of yourself. Like you're, so that means sometimes you'll eat a donut, but most of the times you probably won't. It means sometimes you're going to relax and allow your body to rest and recover, but a lot of times you're going to be working out and and doing things that make, your body, make you grow as a person, both physically um, and, and emotionally and mentally. So those are the two things. If you can do those two things, you can get around and defeat body dysmorphia. And I will say this uh, for people who are afraid of... You know, being accepted or loved by other people, or if they're going to be attractive. The most attractive people in the world are people who uh, have a, a positive self image mm-hmm. and who truly take care of themselves and who are authentic. Mm-hmm. You might not attract as many people, uh, but the people you attract will be real, real and deep, and they'll have deep yeah. connections. 100%. That's it. So, and with that, go to mindpumpfree.com and download some of our guides. We have a lot of guides on there, and they're all absolutely free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam. And then you can find me at Mind Pump Sal.
2: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at MindPumpMedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes Maps Anabolic, Maps Performance, and Maps Aesthetic.